as, uh, as Christians, uh, we're free. Not because we live in America, but because we live in Christ. And not because of a flag, but because of a cross. That's, that's, what, we've, that's what we've been talking about all throughout this uh, series we've been going through in Galatians. Talking about what true freedom looks like. And while, while you know, it's, it's entirely appropriate to, to celebrate America and the freedom that we have uh, for living where we do, you know, that freedom doesn't compare to the freedom that, that's offered through Christ that, that Dwight was talking about. That, that's true freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from the power and the penalty of sin, freedom from the curse of the law, freedom to be who and what God originally designed us to be. That, that's what true freedom looks like. You know, freedom isn't the ability to do whatever you want with whoever you want with, with, with no consequences. Freedom is, is loving, being loved by God, and, and being who he created us to be through Christ. Now, we've been going through this message of Galatians, and, and you, can, uh, you, can, you can sum it up by that. You know, what, what's true freedom? That's what it's all about. You know, we called it gospel math because uh, sometimes, you know, the, the, this book of Galatians is so foundational to what we believe as Christians. And if we get it wrong, we, we get everything else wrong. I called it gospel math because just like uh, basic math is foundational to the world, whereas, you know, if somebody's building a bridge and they, they mess up some of the calculations and you drive across that bridge, that whole thing's going to fall and your car is going to be in the water and you're going to be... You're going to have a bad day. And just like that, if, if we get our relationship with Jesus wrong, it messes everything else up. It messes other people's relationships with Jesus up. And the whole theme throughout this whole series is uh, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus minus anything equals nothing. That, that's the whole premise. We don't add anything to what Jesus has done, and we don't take anything away from what Jesus has done. It's finished. It's complete. We, we can't add to it. We can't take away from it. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. And we're going to finish the series out this morning. We've, we've been in it for the past few months, 11, 12 weeks. I don't remember how long. But uh, we're going to get to the conclusion this morning. And I hope, like me, you guys have it's, it's really spoken to you. I know it's kind of lit a fire under me. And throughout history, that's what this little book of Galatians has done. I mean, this book, we talked about at the very beginning, helped spark the Protestant Reformation. When, when Martin Luther understood that um, what it was saying and that, and that God's righteousness you know, allows us to be righteous through him, and he understood that, he, a fire lit under him that, that changed the world. And I'm convinced that when we really understand the message of, of Galatians, what true freedom looks like, what, what Jesus has done for us, that it'll light a fire under us to change the world. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Galatians 6, starting in verse 11 today. And uh, in, the, in the beginning of the series, we talked a lot about this uh, group of false teachers known as the Judaizers. And we haven't talked about them a lot in the past few weeks because uh, the focus of, of the text has went... Uh, has went from Paul defending himself against these Judaizers into more practical aspects about um, what should your life look like after you come into a relationship with Christ. Well, uh, they come back into the forefront today in the conclusion. 
And in case you missed uh, when we've talked about them or you've forgotten, slept since then, whatever, uh, the Judaizers were this group of false teachers who, who came into the church uh, in the region of Galatia, which uh, comprised um, several, several different regions. And they, they were telling Gentiles who wanted to become Christians that, you know, that's all well and good, but you've got to become Jewish first if you want to become a Christian. You've got to get circumcised. And not only do you have to get circumcised, you've you got to follow the whole law once you become a Christian. Because in essence, what they're saying is Jesus isn't enough for you. You know, you, Jesus is great. Jesus is good. Listen to Jesus on this, on this hand. But over here on this other hand, you've got to do all this other stuff if you really want to be saved. Because otherwise you're just playing games. You've got you to cut off a piece of the flesh, and then you've got to obey the law perfectly. Plus Jesus. Remember, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. So Paul's going to launch into one last assault against these people. And he does everything but call them out by name. So verse 11, he says, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. And if you're like me, you read that and think, What's that have to do with anything? But it's, it's really kind of neat uh, for a couple reasons. You see, Paul didn't, uh, most likely, Paul did not handwrite all the letters that, that he sent out to churches. He'd use what's called an amanuensis or an amanuensis, somebody, a professional writer who, who would write these letters that would get sent out to the churches. You know, Paul would, would dictate it through the Holy Spirit, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and this person would, would write the letter, kind of like a scribe. And they were known for, for writing tiny, tiny letters, like minuscule letters. And... Uh, if you look up, if you look up, you know, uh, you know, parchments of scripture, some of the fragments that we have, you can you can kind of see how small that these people would write. But what was common for Paul to do is at the end of his letter, he'd kind of write like a greeting at the end, and he would pick up the pen, and and he would write. And and so that's what he's saying here. He's like, look what large letters I use. I think he's kind of being funny here. It's like, look what large letters I use co- compared to compared to what these other people use. And for for whatever reason, he's he's highlighting this out. You know, many scholars think that Paul had some bad eyesight. You know, he talks about that earlier in Galatians. And so may, maybe he can't see. So he's got to he's got to write huge to make sure he's writing the right letters. We don't really know. But what we do know is that he's he's writing some large letters, and he's about to say something that's really important. A lot of times, you know, if we type an email, or, or nobody knows what it's like to write a letter anymore. But if uh, when, when we're typing that email and we got something really important that we want to say, and what, do we, what do we do? We bold it, we underline it, we change the color. You know, I like to think that's, that's a little bit about what, what Paul's doing here. Because he's about to talk about something really important, and he wants people to pay attention. So um, Judaizers come back. We'll read on here. And he's going to list out three main issues that he has with these people. So starting in verse 12, it says this. It says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So here's the three areas that, that Paul calls them out on. The first one is pride. It says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh. They want you to be circumcised. They, they want to impress people. They want to say, oh, you know, we got these people to do this. You know, look at us. 
they want to they wanna look good in front of people. Have you met people like that? Seen people in church like that, maybe? Hopefully not. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has a lot to say about, about people like this who, uh, whose motives aren't right, who, who do all the religious things for the wrong reason. You know, they want, they want people to see them. And in Matthew chapter 6, in, in verse 1 and 2, you know, Jesus calls out people in three different areas. Uh, starting in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Well, what's their reward that they're getting? It's praise for men. Oh, good job. I'm so glad that you gave $10. You know, thank you for sharing that. That's so awesome of you. Or I'm, I'm so glad you did this over here. You know, you're such a, such a holy person. We've all met people who kind of flaunt what they do. They kind of want, you know, attaboy, pat on the back. So that's one area Jesus talks about. You skip down to verse 5. You know, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What's their reward? Oh, that, that was such a good prayer. Man, I wish I could pray like you. You use all those big words, you know, words I had to get a dictionary out after I said amen because I didn't know what in the world you were talking about. You know, you're such a good prayer. Then you go down to verse 16. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. The only reward that those those people get when, when they when they do the right things for the wrong reasons is other people's praise. They get praise from people, but they won't get any praise from God. They'll get their praise down here, but, but there, there's no heavenly praise. There's no well done, good and faithful servant. You know, there's oh, you already got your reward. Those, those people who, who clapped for you, those people who patted you on the back, those people who lauded you for how, how good you could pray, that, that's, that's your reward. You already got that. There's, there's nothing left. Only praise they get is from people, not from God. So I want to ask, why do you do things for God? You know, why, 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 why do we sing in front of people? Why, why do we pray? Why, why do we serve? Is it so people can see? So, so people can pat us on the back and know, oh, that, you know, that, that John boy, you know, he, he's such a good Christian. You know, if I, if I could only be like him. Dude, what are our motives for, for serving God? Are, are they to serve God? You know, to, to honor God? Or, or, is the, or do we secretly want the attention to be on us? It's always good to check our motives. That's, that's the first thing, pride, that, that he calls out in these Judaizers. The second thing, if you go back to Galatians 6, is cowardice. He says, the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. 
The only reason these people are telling you to be circumcised, the only reason they're telling you you've got to follow the whole law if you want to become a Christian is because they don't want to be persecuted. Because they can ride the fence and be just fine with it, and they're sitting in just the right position where, where the people over here don't have a problem with them, and the people over here don't have a problem with them, and life is easy and life is good. There's nothing to worry about. See, they wanted to believe in Jesus just enough that it didn't cost them anything. They didn't want to face any kind of difficulty. They, they, they didn't want to face any kind of persecution. They, they didn't want their family asking them questions, they, anything. They, they wanted the benefits of Jesus without the cost of Jesus. You know, they, they were committed to Jesus as long as there was no consequence to their life. And it doesn't work that way. Because there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to to being a disciple of Jesus. You can can look at scriptures like in the the book of Luke, chapter 9, which which we talked a lot about this when, uh, when we went through Not a Fan, but Starting in verse 23, it says, Then he said to them all, talking to, talking to disciples, talking to people who want to follow him, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And he goes on in Luke chapter 14, in verse 26, and he says this, It says, large crowds are traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, as we talked about months ago, Jesus doesn't want you to hate your family, but he wants you to love him in a way that in comparison, it looks like you couldn't care less about your family. He he wants to be your priority. And when we follow Jesus, when he's the Lord of our life, there's, there's going to be some things that, that have to change in our life. There, there's going to be some kind of consequence in our life to following him. You know, things, a lot of people have the misconception that once I come to Christ, it's going to be smooth sailing. I'm not going to go through any hard times. And that's, that's just not true scripturally. You know, Jesus, Jesus goes on and says in the Gospels, you know, if anybody's ashamed of me here on earth, I'm, I'm going to be ashamed of them in the kingdom of heaven. And I'll just say this. If, if following Jesus costs you nothing, if following Jesus costs us nothing, we're, we're not following Jesus. These Judaizers were afraid of, of some kind of persecution that was going on. We don't really know exactly what the persecution was. It was some kind of persecution at the hands of, of Jewish leaders at, at this time. And they, they didn't want to deal with it. So they thought, okay, you know, to avoid that, we're just going to get circumcised. We're going to make sure everybody else gets circumcised, and, and we're going to follow the whole law. We're going to ride the fence. But riding the fence doesn't work with Jesus. You've got, you got to pick a side. It's like he said something in, in Revelation chapter 3 about being lukewarm. Look, look be hot, be cold, but, but don't be lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So that's the second thing. 
He calls them out on their pride. He calls them out on their cowardice. Then he calls them out on their hypocrisy. In verse 13 here of Galatians 6. It says, Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So they're, they're great with, with uh, telling everybody to be circumcised. They're great with uh, telling everybody to be the law and, and being these kind of spearheaders who, who, are, who are in front telling everybody to do all this stuff. But do they do it? No. They just, they just like telling you to do it. It makes them feel good about themselves because you're actually doing what they say. In, uh, in one of Jesus' last sermons, he really he calls out people. Now, he, he's calling out the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But what he has to say stands uh, to this situation here. In uh, Matthew 23, verse 28, he says this. Or verse 27, actually. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's kind of funny. You look great on the outside, but on the inside, you're, you're, you're full of hypocrisy. You're, you're full of wickedness. You may, you may get all these people to do these things and to think, oh, we've got to get services. Oh, we've got to follow the whole law. Jesus isn't enough. But you guys don't even do it. And remember what we talked about last week. It says uh, in the beginning of chapter 6, Paul says, hey, don't, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. We, 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 don't, we don't pull fast ones on God. God knows. God knows what was in the hearts of these Judaizers, what they were teaching. So he, he calls them out on their pride. He calls them out on their cowardice. And he calls them out on their hypocrisy. And going back to the pride issue, apparently these Judaizers love to go around and they love to, they love to boast about how many converts they were getting and, and how many people who were listening to what they say and how many people were, were, were going with, with what they taught instead of what Paul taught. And they, they were just full of their, themselves. Their, their egos were huge. And Paul says this in verse 14. He says, may I never boast. It says in the verse before, he's talking about them boasting in the flesh and, and how many people they got to get circumcised. But Paul says this, may I never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Paul says this, look, these, these, these people love to boast about, about their pride in themselves and in their flesh and in their following of the law, even though they can't keep it. And he says, no, look, if, if, if we're going to boast about anything, it's not going to be in our flesh. It's not going to be about our obedience to this law that we can't keep. We're going to boast in the cross. We're, we're going to boast in what God has done. Because God took the ugliest thing in the world at that time, this, this cross that symbolized 
pain, that symbolize death, that symbolize torture, that symbolize shame, humiliation, fill in whatever word you want. And he made something beautiful out of it. You know, Paul will write in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, the message of the cross is foolishness to, to those who are perishing. It doesn't make any sense. People look at it and go, what in the world? How, how could God do that? And then it says, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. He takes the ugly, takes the broken, and he makes it beautiful. And that's what God does. He takes our lives, our 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 messed up lives, as bad as they are, <laughs> as ugly as they get, and he takes a hold of us, and he makes something good come out of it. He he changes us. He gives us a new heart, full of new desires. He he fills us with his Holy Spirit that that allows us to carry out those new desires. He makes us a new creation. That, that, that's what matters. Circumcision doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't matter. What matters is a new creation. What matters is what God has done. Not, not what we have tried to do and failed, but what God has done and has accomplished. New creation. See, if we're the same as we've always been after we come to Christ... You know, the, the question is, have, have we really come to Christ? Uh, have we really let him inv invade us? Have, have we really let him take over our lives and change us? Or are we still trying to hold on to, some, to some, something from the past? Are we, are we still trying to hold on to control? He finishes out this, this epistle. He says, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. Verse 16, to the Israel of God. And he goes, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Peace, mercy, and grace. He ends the letter just like he started the letter. Because peace, mercy, and grace are the result of Jesus coming into our life. You know, we have peace with God. We're no longer at war with God because of our sin. We're no longer enemies with God because of our separation, because of our sin. We have mercy. We're not getting what we deserve. Scripture is clear. It says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Penalty of sin is death. We're no longer getting that when we're in Christ. We have mercy. We have grace. We get some. Not only do we, do we not get what we deserve, I mean, we get what we don't deserve. You know, he offers us, the, the spirit he offers us life, true life. Forgiveness when we fail. And a lot of us try to find peace through, through other sources. Try to find peace through other people. But it doesn't work. It might work for a minute, kind of like a band-aid. You know, some of us try to follow all kinds of rules to bring us closer to God. And all they do is leave us with guilt. And anxiety, fear, when, when we don't live up to them. We think God doesn't love us anymore. And the antidote to all of that is to take Christ at his word. He says, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Come to him if you want rest. Peace, mercy, and grace. Now, verse 17, that's kind of a weird verse. People, it says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. 
that's caused many a scholar to think, what in the world is Paul talking about? There's been a lot of debate on that verse. Is Paul talking about, does he have the stigmata? <laughs> what, what, what does he have? And I'll give you my two cents here on this con- in this context here. Paul's already been stoned a couple of times. He's already been left for dead. He's been beaten. He'll go on and he'll, over the course of his ministry, that guy gets that guy gets beat up for the gospel of Jesus. His body will take all kinds of, of punishment for, for doing what Jesus told him to do. And he's saying this here. Look, there's these Judaizers here who, who uh, will do whatever they can to avoid persecution, to avoid any kind of physical cost for following Jesus. But, but listen to me. He said, you know, let no, no, nobody cause me any more trouble. Look at my body. I live out what I preach. There's a consequence to what I say. I'm not just saying something that's easy. I'm not just saying something that's popular. I'm saying something, and I can back it up with a proof on my body. That following Jesus will cost you something, but, but it's worth it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he did, what he does. That's, that's Galatians in a nutshell. It's not about us. We can't save ourselves. Jesus saves us. We can't save ourselves. You can never pray enough to make yourself right with God. You can never study enough to make yourself right with God. You can never memorize enough scripture to make yourself right with God. You can never do enough religious checklists to make yourself right with God. It's all about Jesus and coming to him on his terms and letting him change your life. Let's pray.